Hello from Valley Baptist Church in Eureka, Montana. Valley Baptist Church is an independent Baptist church serving the greater Eureka, Montana area. Pastor Matt Schrepfer is the pastor. His wife, Juanetta, serves along his side. As Valerie plays through a song for us and prepare our hearts for the service they had, welcome everyone. What a delightful morning in the Lord. like to ask you to take your songbooks and open to 409 as the deer panteth after the water brooks from Psalm 40. I long to worship you. 
I trust we all long to worship him, not just on Sunday or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but every day that the Lord gives us ahead. It's a delight to see everyone here today. It was fun to have to print more bulletins and add more chairs. And there are several that are visiting. Let's begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have revealed yourself to us through the Bible and through the evidences around us, but especially the Holy Spirit working in us. Father God, I ask you that today you would be worshipped, that we would long to worship you today, tomorrow, and each day. And Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can enjoy bringing worship toward you in our singing together, as we just did in the opening of the scriptures, in the fellowship together. We can look forward to that meal later and visiting together about who you are. Father, I also thank you that in our giving and even in the business meeting later, I ask that all of it would be about you. You deserve that. Father God, I ask you that if there's someone here today who hasn't yet understood the good news of the gospel, that Jesus Christ, as God, came into this world and shed his blood for the remission of our sins and was buried after his physical death, but rose again victorious over death and the grave on the third day, just as the Bible says. And through faith in him, through believing in what he has done for us, anyone can have forgiveness of sins and be saved, having eternal life. Father, I thank you that you've made it a gift for us that we must receive. If someone hasn't yet received it, oh Lord God, I ask you that you would make this day the day that they do so. Lord, I also pray that those who are dealing with physical issues among us would receive your healing touch. Thank you that Jackie's able to be with us today. We've been praying so much for her throughout the week. Lord, I ask you that she would not have these conditions reoccur. Father, again, may you be honored in every aspect of this service ahead. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So number 395, standing on the promises. Through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail By the living word of God I shall prevail Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing Standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord. 
Overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I cannot fail, listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior as my all in all Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of God Amen. You may be seated. Let's stand for a scripture reading, everyone. Good morning, everybody. And I'd like to say welcome to our visitors today. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments, excuse me, and hide my commandments with thee, if thou so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart unto un- heart to understanding. If thou criest for knowledge and lifteth up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For God giveth wisdom out of his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Amen. Amen. I trust the Lord blesses the reading of the scripture, his word. Heavenly Father, as we consider this portion of scripture in James chapter 3, I ask you that you would guide us, but that the Holy Spirit would challenge us. All of us need to guard our mouths, which we realize what we say is a result of what's in our hearts. Father God, I ask you that where our hearts need to change, we would give that to you. We'd commit it to you that you might be honored and glorified and that you might, through all of us present here today, you work as we speak and that our tongues would be used of you to bring delight in people's lives and to you, first and foremost, in whose I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to James chapter 3, everyone. And we'll be looking at <clears throat> verses 8. I'm sorry. Bas- basically, verses 9 through 18 today. I'll just read the first few verses. As far as the tongue, verse 8. It says in verse 9, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not be so. My dad used to say, he used to use the axiom, he speaks out of both sides of his mouth. Have you heard that before? Sure we have. 
We understand it. Of course, Dad was talking about someone who said one thing to please you, but would say the opposite to someone else, presumably to please them. Also, another axiom sometimes used is, he speaks with a forked tongue. You know? Similar to what Dad said of someone, this has to do with lying, of course, saying one thing and doing another. And we hear this all the time, don't we? Sure we do. I'm not going to say from our congregation, but we need to, be, we need to apply this where it fits. You know, we, we hear it all the time. Many have become angered in the last few years from contradictory statements from the WHO, the World Health Organization, or the CDC, right? And the current federal administration and our state and county health boards about masking. There have been contradictory statements. They speak out of both sides of their mouths about isolating vaccinations, virus mutations, and essential workers, and on and on it goes. And I don't want to stir that can of worms up right now. But we see speaking out of both sides of the mouth, don't we? And then there is my letter that I started to President Biden. I'm serious. I did start a letter to President Biden, dated March 11th, night, not 19. March 11th, 2021. It's three years old, and I never sent it because I never finished it. (laughs) Okay, I'll read it to you. (laughs) I realize that your current responsibilities... Oh, I'm sorry. Dear President Biden, I start that way. I realize that your current responsibilities are demanding and that your time is limited each day. It is my desire to show appreciation for those in public offices around the United States who serve the citizens of the United States of America. Thank you for those things you do to truly help our nation. I am a natural-born U.S. citizen born in Denver, Colorado to parents who worked hard all their lives. My father also served in the U.S. Army. They, too, were natural-born U.S. citizens. I recently needed to renew my driver's license. Well, that was in March of 2021, here in Montana. I was required to show several proofs of identification, including my original Social Security card, not a copy, and it could not have plastic protection on it. It had to be the original without any alterations. A valid passport with my photo, a current piece of mail, like a bank statement showing my full name and physical address. I had to prove those things to get my driver's license renewed in Libby. Anyway, that's, I didn't put all of that last part in Libby in the letter. After the time needed to gather these documents, in a couple of hours at the DMV, I was approved to receive a real ID at the tune of over $100. So my driver's license now has a star in the upper right-hand corner. As I was told, this type of license will soon be required to travel from state to state and to travel out of the United States of America and return home as proof of U.S. citizenship. 
As a lifelong U.S. citizen, I do not understand your policies in regard to those people who enter the United States of America illegally. And then I go on, and I didn't finish it. It seems that they do not have to provide or prove anything, yet receive greater benefits and freedom than I. Anyway, that we talk about people who talk out of both sides of their mouths all the time, don't we? Or people with forked tongues. James says, that ought not be so. Dear Christian, we ought to live in such a way that our what we say is yea and yea for yea and nay for nay. The, the Lord calls anything else hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is all around us, but Christians don't get caught up in it, do they? Sure, Christians get caught up in it. Hmm. God says these things ought not so to be, verse 10. And verse 9 was written to believers. Did you notice that? There with bless we, God, James wrote, and he was a believer, certainly. Ah, it's written to believers. Out of one side of the mouth, some Christians bless God, even the Father, and maybe they pray with elegance in public places, and then turn around and mock or put down someone out of the other side of their mouth. And God says, even they are created in the similitude of God. It reminds me of Luke chapter 18. And this is Jesus speaking. He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous, but they despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Well, then he said, Jesus in this parable said, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There's a contrast in the two people. The Pharisee thought he was so righteous and religious and was devout toward God. Out of one side of his mouth, he blessed God and out of the other side, what did he do? He cursed men. God hates that kind of speech, dear friend. And James points out that a person like that has a bad heart. He used three rhetorical questions to prove that in verses 11 and 12. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Okay, you understand the figures of speech here. Either one comes out of the heart, right? But it does show in the speech. And that's what he's speaking of. Verse 12. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine figs? So no fountain. So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh? So in those two verses, James clearly uses three rhetorical questions to make the point. We need to check our hearts. We do. You and I need to check our hearts. Some folks sound oh so religious on Sunday. 
or when they're around a minister, of course, and the rest of the week, their speech would cause... This is what I do in my study. I sit down and think about, how do I finish the sentence like that? Here's what I ended up with, Alan. He taught on Satan and demons today. So I wrote this in my notes. Such... um, their speech would cause a demon to blush and the devil to smile. <laughs> I don't know that that's so fu- I understand laughing at it, but that's true. It, some Christians are, or some people that claim to be Christians are like that. Oh, Christian, you know, we hope that. Nobody here uses the vulgar, immoral speech of the world and that lewd language of the day, but Christians must be careful how they use the tongue. In our journey through James so far, we've seen that the tongue has power to direct, remember? Like um, a rudder on a ship and a bit in a horse's mouth. We must all be thoughtful as we speak to others that our speech directs folks to the Lord and not pushes them away. And godly things and wholesome thinking and actions because what we say can lead others down a good path or a bad path. Be careful, dear Christian, how you lead people with your tongue. We have also examined in James chapter 3 that the tongue has power to destroy. Our speech is likened unto fire in verses 5 and 6, and also poison, verses 7 and 8. Both fire and poison destroy lives. If, If we are not careful with our mouths, we may start something that destroys lives just like fire, just like poison does. What kind of words are destroyers? Sometimes to point out the good, we need to take a few minutes and examine the opposite, the antonyms, the bad. What kind of words are destroyers? Slanderous words destroy. Of course, in verse 14, there's bitter envying and strife. We'll get to that. Slanderous words destroy. Webster defines slander as to defame, to injure by malicious uttering a false report, to tarnish or impair the reputation of one by false tales maliciously told or propagated. Have you ever heard or listened to a slanderer? I have. cast doubt in your mind about the reputation of someone else and even though it's a false report how do you know a lot of people say oh there must be a grain of truth to it well how do you know there may not be and your doubt may lead you to propagate the slander until the whole church or the community has spread the news and a life of a person a reputation is destroyed by the fire and poison of slander Backbiting is another form of words that destroy. Proverbs 25.23 says, The north wind driveth away rain, so doth an angry countenance a backbiting tongue. Now, there are Christians out there who will talk about someone behind their back, and you know what we mean by that, when they're not around or not present, or their back is turned to almost anyone. They'll talk to almost anyone else but the person that they're talking about. That ought not to be. If you have a question, take it to that person. Don't talk around to everybody else. Backbiting words do destroy, certainly. 
A backbiter has that name because they bite you and try to harm you when you are not even around to defend yourself. They know that if you would defend yourself, they might show if you were present that they that you might defend yourself and show who they really are. So they they do it stealthily. Interestingly, in Romans one verse thirty, backbiters are included with those who are haters of God in the same verse. Despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, and unmerciful. Verse 32 says they will face the judgment of God. Backbiting can destroy a person or a church who has a fire burns and poison kills. Another form of words that destroy are murmuring words. Webster defines murmuring as uttering complaints in a low voice or a sullen manner, grumbling, complaining. Well, that that seems fairly harmless, doesn't it? Grumbling and complaining, murmuring. God's word says are ultimately against him. In Numbers chapter 16, the Israelites were murmuring, grumbling, complaining, and God took it personally. There's an old saying, better watch how you complain about the weather because God might take it personally. The Israelites were complaining about a lot of things and God took it personally and he sent a fire and destroyed those who murmured, several thousand of them in Numbers 11.1 because murmuring and complaining destroys lives, it destroys churches, it causes doubt and it it harms the testimony of God. Is God able? Sure he is but not if people murmur and complain. Like fire burns and destroys a forest or a building, murmuring is like that. And then there are many other words that do not delight. Gossiping, lying, tattling, criticisms, naughty words, they're all used in the Bible. All destroy people, families, churches, Businesses, reputations, and the testimony of Christ if you're a Christian. Like fire consumes and destroys, and like poison kills. The root cause is a bitter heart. Verse 14, But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. And that's not from God. Verse 15 tells us where it comes from. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly sensual and devilish. That's where it comes from. I know this is tough stuff. Let's, we'll get on to the delightful speech in just a moment, okay? All those destroy people and families and it is not of God. Psalm 101 verse 5 says, Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off, and him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Be sure, God will judge for words that destroy. He will. Let's look at the contrast again. Some use speech to destroy and some use speech to delight. But James says to the Christian brethren, this duality, this division, this forked tongue ought not so to be. Our tongue, our speech, has power to delight. With our speech, our tongue, we can do better 
we can bless God, verse 9 says, and bless men, verse 10. The word bless is the Greek word eulageo, and it means to speak well of, to praise, to invoke benediction. The verb is the act of blessing, praising, and giving thanks to God for his favors. To give you an example, 1 Peter 4, verse 11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. There are two words there that help us understand the word bless, and that is glorified, and that's doxadzo, and praise is doxa, and many of you enjoy singing the doxology in the hymnals, don't we? We do that from time to time. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host, and praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And then we end with amen. That means so be it. Now, let's go back to James verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. Those who use their tongue to delight, to praise, to show their behavior, that's conversation, by the way, that they are wise and endued with knowledge, they are also meek, it says here. And that word does not mean weak. It means strength under control. If a person uses their tongue in the opposite way to destroy, they are, as it is implied, the opposite. Unwise, dumb, foolish, and weak. Verses 15 and 16 say it this way, This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Now let's look at verse 17, okay? And I think this will be a great way to uh, bring about the next ten minutes of the sermon. But the wisdom that is from above, is that what you want? Determine that and seek it from the scriptures and the Holy Spirit in your mouth and life. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. The word pure, that comes from God above, of course. Pure speech means not defiled. Uh, This word mene is a primary particle in Greek, and this is an indicative. In other words, the contrast to or an opposite of, in this case, evil works. So it is godly, divine works, not evil. Of verse 16. An example is in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, where it, Jesus said, For John truly, he used the word main there, like our word pure. John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence, Jesus said to his disciples. There, John's speech was true. It was from God. It was pure. 
The second in verse 17 is peaceable. Did you see that? Pure, then peaceable. And on the back of your bulletins is a simple outline like that. God's design for our tongues to delight includes being peaceable. Those who make for peace, not those who stir up strife. Is my speech, is your speech, that which brings peace to someone else for the glory of God? Or is it something that causes an irritation? It needs to be peaceable, dear friend. Not as verses 14 and 16, in which we've already read. The third in verse 17 is gentle. Then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. Gentle, this word means a combination of being appropriate, hmm, mild, and patient. Can you combine those? Well, God does with the word gentle here. Thus, our speech must always be appropriate. Not doubtful or naughty or not nasty, but God-honoring. And it must be mild. Not spicy, not bitter, or like acid, but kind and soft. I need to work on that. I know that. Thirdly, my tongue should be used for things that delight, like being gentle. Fourthly, patient. In our verse 17, easy to be... Oh, I'm sorry, the, the third word. I'm not, I got ahead of myself. The third word, it means to be patient, not demanding, as we gently and mildly and patiently, with our words, speak to others. I guess the question is, is our tongue sharp or is it soft? Fourth, easy to be entreated. All four English words are one Greek word, and it's eupithes, and it means literally good for persuasion. Is what we say good to persuade someone toward the things of the Lord or not? Easy to be entreated. It must be. The idea is that we should be teachable ourselves and able to persuade others in the things of the Lord. It's a sad thing when I have shared the truth, God's word, with an individual and they indicate, I don't care, my mind's made up. Well, they're not easy to be entreated. <laughs> they're, they're not teachable, if you will. So many in our churches and culture will not allow the truth to affect them so the idea here is is our word not our, what we say not just peaceable but is it worth listening to is, it worth, is what we say worth listening to the fifth one is full of mercy our speech should show God's mercy after all God withholds from us and all of us are sinners and deserve his punishment he withholds from us what we deserve Often, Shane and I will meet and I'll ask him, how are you doing, Shane? And he says, better than I deserve. <laughs> All of us are doing better than we deserve because of God's mercy. Thank you for that. If we have accepted Christ, he took 
your sins and my sins. He took your punishment and my punishment upon himself. He's merciful to us. Dear Christian, we have no excuse not to be merciful to others. We didn't deserve it. You might think they don't, but you can express it. That is, when we get into the study in Sunday School of Anthropology, when we are created in the image of God, if you will, that is one of those attributes of God that is given to man. We can express mercy, not in a perfect way like he does, but we can be merciful to others. We should be full of mercy. Mercy. Sixth, full of good fruits. Our tongues ought to express good fruit. Yeah, every once in a while, something in our fruit bowl, down at the bottom maybe, will go bad. And it, we need to throw that away. I like the good fruit. Last night, we cracked open an apple that kind of split when we touched it with a knife. It was great. Now, that's physical fruit. What's he talking about here? The fruit of the Spirit. That Our lips ought to be full of good fruit. <laughs> Galatians 5, verse 22, calls it the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. You get the idea. This is speech that delights, and that's what God wants from each of us. Verse 17. Full and good fruits, and without partiality. The seventh is kind of a negative, without partiality. The idea here is that we must not show favoritism. Many Christians, even now, as in James' day, favored one person over another. Those who wore stylish clothing, James addresses that, or were wealthy. Um, some people favored popular people or those in authority or the, the beautiful, you know. Our hearts and our speech should show the same compassion to the likable and unlikable alike. Are we that way? Is that part of our speech that delights God and delights man? It ought to be. The eighth one is without hypocrisy. The truth here is our speech must be sincere. Too many Christians say that they do not have, I'm sorry, say what they do not have in their hearts. They say what they do not have in their hearts. And you can see it on their faces often. You can suspect it. Children especially are in tune with that. They are not honest and they are not sincere. They are hypocritical. They say one thing and then behind your back maybe do quite differently. Jesus had a very harsh had many very harsh words for hypocrites. He said seven times, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Jesus said those words. Matthew twenty three is where that you'd find that. In Matthew 24, verse 51, he said that the hypocrite deserves the torment of hell fire. This is serious stuff. Yeah. Our speech, our tongues, ought to delight through being without hypocrisy. The last verse of our passage, verse 18, emphasizes peace once again. And the fruit of righteousness, there's the fruit again, is sown in peace of them that make peace. 
catch the emphasis James is making in this last verse of chapter 3? It is a fruit of righteousness. Peace is. The Christian's tongue must be used to lead to peace, desiring a peaceful outcome. And then it has power to delight. Dear friend, I trust that we use our tongue for God's glory to bring him delight and others around us delight. Will you determine this year to use your speech to praise the Lord God and bring delight to him and others? It's up to you. It's up to you. Some closing verses. Here's Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that's building up, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. If you don't use delightful speech, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It grieves God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Proverbs 15, verse 23. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? You can taste it. How good is it? In Proverbs 25, 11, it says a word fitly spoken. It is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. It's beautiful. Fitly spoken words. Here's one way we can accomplish that, and that's pray. Psalm 19, verse 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. That's something you can pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God, or Lord, my, my strength and my Redeemer. So do my words, do your words hurt others or help others? If you are struggling in this area, if this is uncomfortable for you, that is not my intent. Maybe it offends some. That's not my intent. Start with a heart check, okay? Start with a heart check. One question you ought to ask is, are you sure you're saved? If you are sure, is there any bitterness, envying, strife in your heart? Some Christians do harbor that, and they, they somehow like to hang on to it. It only harms, well, no, it doesn't only harm them. It harms them as much or more than it harms others. Okay? It's like a poison. Confess it all to the Lord God. And if you do, I'm thankful for this. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, Heavenly Father, you know the hearts of everyone present and you know what we must commit to you. Oh, what we say is so 
incredibly important, more than we can even comprehend. And throughout your word, from the Old Testament through the New Testament, you've addressed it. And in James chapter 3, very seriously, we consider the use of our tongue. May it be used for your honor and glory to bring delight to you and others. And Father God, I ask that if there's someone here who isn't absolutely sure that they are your child, that they're saved, that they are born again through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would talk with me after the service is over before we eat the meal, but also, Heavenly Father, for the Christians who are struggling with some of their problems in, in what they say, knowing that it's, it hurts others, I ask you that they would commit their mouths to you. They belong to you, after all. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to ask everybody to stand as we sing another song. We'll sing, I am thine, O Lord, number 404. And then, after that song is over, I'd like to ask Sean to pray and thank the Lord for the meal that follows. Number 404, I am thine, O Lord. Stand as we sing 404. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou... Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by thy power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Verse 4 as the last, please. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me nearer, near blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Valley Baptist Church has multiple services. Sunday school is at 9.45 a.m. The morning service is at 11 a.m. The evening service starts at 6 p.m. 
There's also a Wednesday night Bible study at 6 p.m. Additional men and women Bible studies are also conducted on a regular basis. Other activities include monthly potluck meals, monthly men's breakfasts, and much more. Valley Baptist Church is located at 64627 Highway 37, and that's in Eureka, Montana. Our phone number is 406-889-3134. Thank you for joining us for this audio sermon.